Cap today, uh, John Downing's over at the Garden. I'll try not to take that personally. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you see? Do you see his seats? You just, it's handy capable. Thank yeah. you very oh, there much. You go. Ooh, what are you drinking today, Marty? This is Good Water Brewery, clearly hazy double IPA. Excellent. Oh, we started doing endorsements. I guess so. We're gonna try <laughs> to pick them up. <laughs> if I get a four pack out of this, I'm a winner. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, uh, yeah, like we said, John is uh, off for the week. He's with his dad at the Garden watching the Celtics play. The Nets. The Nets. That was an NBA thing, so you were going to definitely refer to somebody else. Mm, yeah, gonna, although <laughs> I, did, I did prepare. And makes you a poor friend because you don't remember what game he went to. <laughs> he sent me a picture from it literally 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I did prepare, however, my um, NBA essay. So you guys can look forward to that uh, later on in the show. We'll probably finish off with that. Um, but we'll just in kick... Hispanic, that's kind of funny for you to say. What's that? NBA essay. <laughs> NBA essay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll get going with our number 11s. Um, Marty, I assume you picked Isaiah Thomas? Fuck no. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and you already get like a demerit off this essay or like minus 10 points for mentioning that fucker's name. Uh, anyway, I went with uh, it's Cowboys Week, baby. It's I uh, went Roger Staubach, Cowboys from '69 to '79, the original true all-time quarterback for the Cowboys. Um, you know, tenth round pick. He was '69 to '79, like I said, seventy-year-old. He was a graduate from Navy. Actually, was in Vietnam War lieutenant. Uh, actually, got a Medal of Honor in actually 2018, just recently. Um, but also Heisman '63 for Navy, two-time Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl MVP, six-time Pro Bowler, uh, obviously a Cowboy Ring honor. Uh, just an, he's still uh, a big presence for Cowboys Nation right now. Still uh, over his time, so just uh, give the nod to uh, one of the all-time greats, if not the great Cowboy ever. All right, fair enough. Liam, uh, who'd you have for number eleven? Uh I went with uh, Edgar Martinez. Actually, uh, I know it's not really the season for baseball at the moment, but uh, I was flipping through the, the prominent number 11s, and as much as uh, Drew Bledsoe definitely has had, a, had my eye for a moment, um, thinking back to watching Edgar Martinez play as a little kid, um, he, was, it was, he was the perfect era for me. He was you know, winning batting championships when I was five, six, seven years old, when, right. uh, when baseball players were superheroes, and he kind of changed the way I looked at the game in, I think, a similar way to how he made the the league at large and the fans uh, look at it a little bit differently. He sort of ushered in the era of the superstar DH, which you can take or leave as you prefer your rules or your style of game to be, but you can't, uh, you can't deny what a huge uh, uh, impact that had 
um, on the game, that, that movement toward having that one superior hitter who maybe, you know, is a liability in the field, but investing in that position and having a superstar in that position and the success of those Mariners teams. More um, valuable than to take him out. I mean, he was always that guy. He wanted in a clutch situation. Absolutely. And, and, And he was sort of, he's still to this day maybe the most uh, complete, perfect uh, DH that there has been. He's still the only uh, DH ever to win the batting title to this day. He, he did it his first full season did as a DH that. in 1995. He hit 356. Uh, that was his, the, uh, his first year switching full-time to DH after a really grisly hamstring injury made him uh, too much of a liability at third base. Uh, but Your essay better be this good. But keeping that... Uh, Keeping that bat in the lineup, uh, I don't know if you can <laughs> go back and check those win-loss records, man. That, that Mariners team was good, and, and as a kid uh, watching it, it went from when I played in the front yard, I was pretending to be a shortstop or a center fielder making slick plays and stealing bases, and then you know watch Edgar Martinez play, and suddenly I, I'm pretending to be that lumbering guy get, getting in the batter's box and hearing that chill come over the crowd of like, oh, he might just hit it a mile. <laughs> really? uh, hit for power, hit for average. Um, another huge thing for me with him, I love this, it happens so rarely these days, 18 out of 18 years of his career in one place. He came up with the Mariners, he stayed with the Mariners the whole time. Like, absolutely class act was, you know, every, everything you hear about him was that he was excellent, as excellent in the locker room as he was in the batter's box. And uh, I think had just a huge impact on the way the, the game was played for decades afterwards. Uh, who knows if teams would have drafted or invested in a guy like David Ortiz right. um, if, if, that, if that model had not been proven to work so well in Seattle for all those years. Good point. All right. Well and done. You're just showing up already. <laughs> yeah, my number 11... Um, was going to go with the homer pick uh, on Jordan Stahl, but decided uh, that it would be a huge snub to not go with Mark Messier. Um, he is the only player to captain two franchises to Stanley Cup victories. Uh, his jersey is retired in both Edmonton and New York. That's New York Rangers. Uh, he ranks second on the all-time regular season scoring list with 1,887 points. Over his 25-year career, he had six Stanley Cups, 1,756 games played, 694 games, 1,193 assists, 23 hat-tricks, two Hart Trophies, uh, that's the league MVP, two Ted Lindsay's, that's the MVP selected by the players, and one Conn Smythe, um, absolute monster of, uh, monster of a hockey player, would make a lot of people's uh, Mount Rushmore of hockey. So number 11, Mark Messier, is my number 11. Awesome. All right. Covered some sports right there. The three who guys, what? Three different sports. Three oh, different yeah. Sports right there. Yep. All right. So um, <clears throat> getting into this weekend of football, um, I had the great fortune to be able to catch uh, the majority of all four games uh, really, the only game that I didn't sit down and watch uh, because I was working was um, the Colts Texans game, but that was largely um, a snooze fest. Well, you know, Johnny called it from the start. 
paying homage to Johnny for not being here, but he's he's been calling the Texas number all all year long as frauds, and it definitely showed up that way. Uh, it wasn't a game from the start. I mean, we, we can recap this quick. I mean, it's twenty-one nothing at half, and that's all they needed to win the game. Um, but there was some good things to think about in this game. It's, I mean, granted, Texan fans did show up. That that stadium was humming at the beginning of the game. You could tell that the fans wanted this. They really wanted or believed in this that this was going to be a great game. But uh, to think like a year ago, Andrew Luck sitting at home nursing his shoulder and thinking about what his next season is even going to look like. And now he is, uh, you know, showing up in a playoff game, and he showed up to play for sure. Uh, a damn good, great kind of homecoming game for this guy from Stratford, Texas, just right outside of Houston. Went to a lot of games there as a college player, as a teen, um, as a fan. Uh, so good for him showing up and, and getting that victory. I, I personally wanted to see the Texans win. I was pulling for J.J. Watt. I was pulling for uh, Watson, who I love as a quarterback. Uh, you had him in fantasy this year, right, Liam? I uh, yeah, I I uh, he was my number one quarterback target. Yeah, uh, and then I only ended up starting him for week one, and then he sat on my bench behind Patrick had, Mahomes. Yeah, you, you had this guy named Mahomes, so not not a bad nod. I mean, he did put up some good number fantasy numbers this year. He he, he definitely. I think this was like besides a championship game or a, a game to move forward. This is the most he's ever lost by as far as point differential being fourteen. Um, this is a guy, you know, since in, high school too, since not, high school. Just, not yeah. just in the NFL, but right. he, he has never lost a game, uh, by more than one score. So he's never yeah. lost a game by more than seven since he was a quarterback in high school. That, that one absolutely That's crazy. blew my mind. So a guy you want in that position, but you know, this, you know, I, you know, luck stepped up. He was efficient. He was, he was 19 for 32, 222 yards, two TDs, uh, only uh, one interception, uh, Marlon Mack's been solid the last last few weeks. I mean, this guy, another great ground game. He had 148 yards, one TD. Uh, the clown, wearing the clown mask, riding in. T.Y. Hilton answering the call. He showed up for sure, five receptions, 85 yards. They had to like lay a lot of uh, attention on him throughout the game. The thing with that, though, is that he did most of that in in the first quarter. Yeah. Like that, it was basically the Luck and Hilton show all through that first drive, and then they just respected him all game. You know, and and it really stretched out the field, and they were able to. That's that's how they were able to get their run game going. And pretty much a slap in the face because they really put the foot on the gas per se in the second half. They just played efficient. They kind of played field position. They kind of played it safe. They were not threatened by the offense of Houston whatsoever. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was a little surprised to see that Mac had that big a day. Uh, not so much that he had the volume. Uh, and especially in a game that that they were leading in throughout, um, but that he had that much, uh, it seemed like easy success. Yeah, well, uh, Watt had I, what I two two tackles, Nesto? You told me earlier. Watt only had two tackles. Just yeah, just no. non-existent on the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, I, I, I had I really two tip balls. Yeah, well. really yeah. would have expected that front seven to have shown more resistance to Mac, at least make it even a, a you know still a game where where. They don't get to just lean on the run with right. that lead, you know. Make right. luck put the ball, even if it's just short passes. Just every time the ball's in the air, you got a better chance of making a play on it. Uh, and and I was pretty surprised to see how easily Mac cut through them. I'm a, and I'm a huge Mac believer. I've since preseason of last year. And this is coming behind the best offensive line in football too. Protective the quarterback, but also on the run offense as well. These guys have been pushing forward and protecting the ends yeah. both sides. My God. They I, they probably, and I'm not just being that conceited 
cowboy guy, but since going back to the 93, 94, 95 era, that offensive line, probably not seen a protective offensive line like this in quite some time. I was going to actually make exactly that same what? connection. Um, it, it seems like it comes around every so often in the NFL. Some team has the quote-unquote bright idea to invest in a great offensive line. And 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 the rest Frank of the Reich league, era, man. the rest of the league act like they cracked some 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 ancient hieroglyphic code or something. <laughs> oh my God, they're they're winning by controlling the line of scrimmage. Of course they are. Right. I don't know why. I don't know why this is this is not. Maybe it's just not as easy a formula to follow or something. But I don't I think it's a form that follows a coach that's been a quarterback or an offensive lineman himself. Yeah. You know, with Frank Reich, I, he's played. He if not. A candidate for coach of the year, he should be right up there, coming off a one and five start oh, that to the season. Alone is is, is, is just is beautiful, admirable in so many ways. Um, but like it coming from a quarterback system, you know, it starts with the the commander. You got to protect him. Yeah, it start like it's the Brady, it's the, it's the Roethlisberger's, it's the Aikmans of the past. That these guys are really going to like control the flow of the offense. Are going to make the right decisions. Um, they it, gotta it, have time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And we could have seen this coming from far, from a mile away. And and to his credit, uh, Johnny did see it coming from a, a mile away. And I saw a stat um, that I thought was very interesting. Deshaun Watson was sacked sixty-two times this year. Sixty-three, oh, yeah. I believe. It was real bad. No, sixty-two. You're right. I just he had, he had a hard, he had a hard, hard life this year. And his three sacks, lost eighteen yards. I mean, but talk about his competitiveness. The guy threw 49 times, 235 yards, one TD, had one interception, but also ran for 76. He was a leading rusher for the team. Miller was a no-show. He was 18 yards rushing. Hopkins was locked down. He was double-covered all game long. They didn't let him off. Uh, Kiki Coutier had a decent game, 11 receptions, 110. A lot of that kind of came in garbage time, too, though. Um, Johnny wanted me to point out it was just like what he said. He just wrote in big, large-lettered frauds. <laughs> and then Colts win on both sides of the ball. Called it, suck it, Marty. Whatever the case may be, I gave him a hard time. <laughs> I gave him a hard time all year long, just because it's fun to give Johnny a hard year. Out. I mean, I'm sad he's not here to say I concede. I knew it all along in, in a lot of ways, but I just wanted to give him a hard time. But yeah, Texans, you know those those plus 500 teams. I just can't really beat them. Yeah, so, I, th- I I I have. Um, I know this is going to go down as he as probably. Uh, Overall, a disappointing sophomore season for uh, for Watson, but I think I don't think so though. I, I think there's a lot, specifically the number of times that he was pressured and sacked. I think he any... really depressed his his ability to perform. His his line was terrible. I think if you're representing the general view, okay. I think if you're a football enthusiast in some ways, you know he did what he could with what he had, and to bring that team to very nearly. Uh, a first round bye. Yeah. When when clearly this game has proven that Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins is about all that team has going for it on that side of the ball. And Sean, you probably need some coaching changes, especially starting with a head coach. Yeah, you're you're because over Brian completely. I think so because I think if the coach, you take a step back and you realize after Hopkins and after Watson, you don't have the weapons to be competitive. To make the playoffs, there's nobody behind that in the receiving does, core. Does he have? Uh, does he build the roster? Is he the GM as over there as well? He has a lot of control, judging from a lot of the shows. Like I think was it uh, Hard Knocks was two years ago with with Houston, but he plays a lot in that. But I think you at least ask for that best, especially in your tenure. This is your job too. When you pound your fist to the ground, like give me what I want. 
You know? Yeah. I don't... You know, this is a guy in the, what, past Bill Belichick system, so you know the formula that works. I think he wants to be kind of like crafty and smart and say, I can just do it with this guy and that guy. But there, I don't think there was anybody over 600 yards in receiving but past Hopkins. It was Hopkins and it was just nobody. And well, it was, Will Fuller would have eclipsed that if uh, given even most of a season, I think. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that was a huge loss in a lot of ways, but that's you, you see the losses losing Gordon like for the Patriots, and I hate to like just start slobbering all over their knob right now in their coaching system, how they win. But, like, they, they adjust. If you're going to be a winning team, you adjust to one or two big losses to your team. You figure out a way to be there. And I don't I just don't think, and this is what Johnny could sniff out early in the year, is, like, they're just not that team that's really hunting to be the true champion. Which well, is sad because the fan base and the money that, that stadium and that franchise brings in, you could be huge. You could be so huge. Yeah, they, they could, uh, I think, stand to take – page out of the Colts book and, and start investing in some O-line. I, I well, we'll look up the Cowboys skirt, which is north of you, northwest of you, and just say, you know, you, you do it right for a lot of reasons, you're good. So, All right, we, didn't, we didn't think it would give him a lot of time, but we gave him a lot of time. Speaking of looking at the uh, Cowboys skirt, let's move on to the... Can I say one thing for the Houstons, too? they got to keep in mind, I'll just end it right here. You lose Javay Con- uh, Clowney, yeah. free agent next year, and uh, Matthias, the, the honey badger. Yeah. You're losing two key guys on defense. So you One got, of those you got two some, is getting tagged. Yeah. So you got some things to deal with. Yeah. All right. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Looking up the Cowboys skirt, they uh, skirted away with one. Uh, 24 to 22 on uh, pr- probably Seabass pulling his whole ass. I, I wrote, pucker up, tuck it, and pray like a mofo. <laughs> I, I got to say, so I had just gotten out of work, started boozing hard, eating me a steak dinner, watching Marty fucking lose his mind. It was amazing. I was in the next room listening to Marty. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a, at the restaurant, you in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I said playoff, that once Playoff football is a lot of fun when uh, your team ain't in it. Which is really funny because you'd think it'd be really fun. You know, you think of how you want the scenario to go. You want your team to be in it, but it's not any fun while the game is happening. Have you well, considered becoming a Patriots fan? Ah, uh, we, <laughs> we have great fun in the playoffs. Fuck you. Oh, sorry. I got to work on my left. We fuck. talked about working on this left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, those of you massaging fair. your ears right now, we're very sorry. M- Marty's laugh is. Easily Ridiculous. 15 decibels o- over any other noise we can possibly make. So uh, we apologize for that. But um, the game punctuated by an absolutely horrific Alan Hearns. Oh, I was going to uh, bring a pencil to break right over the microphone. No. Snap. <laughs> just, like a, just a bundle of celery. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If, if you Hunts haven't... Um, this is Gordon Hayward-esque. If you haven't seen seen the clip and you are then a, save yourselves of a strong constitution, <laughs> check it out on YouTube. You can literally see this man's whole foot detach from his body. Or if you're regretting the dinner you ate as a woman, you need to purge. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 hey! Our guy. Hey, we got exactly. Bulimia okay. is non gender specific. Thank you very much. It's 2018, <laughs> Marty. That's really regressive. Bulimia is pretty much gender neutral, too, so we got to agree to that. <laughs> Anyways, um, horrific injury. Uh, you know, T's and P's to that guy, but my God. 
Can, can we talk about like my fears coming into this game? I mean, you're talking about nine straight victories in the Wilson era of first-round playoff wins. A team that generally controls the football, dictates the game in the best way uh, by having a hell of a defense. We knew that was a rebuild year for these guys on defense. Um, but what we talked about last week, even though we picked Seattle, was if Dallas could control the time of possession – and if Ezekiel got anywhere between 25 to 30 touches, this could be a successful outcome for the Cowboys, which was basically the narrative of this game in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think what this came down to is uh, is that the Cowboys made full use of their specific strengths. Uh, they fed Ezekiel uh, both for some some productive uh, yard churning in between the tackles and for some really nice down-the-sideline uh, chunk gains. And uh, the Dak used his mobility to extend some plays and to, to be sort of a, you know, last, a last option in the red zone with some, some decent success. And the most athletic play of the game... When Janikowski pulled his hammy, kicking that fifty-six yarder oh, at halftime. See, for for me, this was this was a lot about Seattle um, shooting themselves in the hamstring, <laughs> uh, and and not just not just Seabass. Uh, you know, they 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 were really um, married to the run in this game. And it was not working for them. And yeah, this... not working to the point they're a hundred and sixty yard average team. Who got stuck to sixty yards by three runners, four rushers combined, including Wilson. And this is sort of the other the other side of the coin of my point was was that uh, while the Cowboys were spending their time playing to their own strengths, the Seahawks, I I think they were just sort of more playing to their own narrative almost, like because they had I, been successful with the run, they had to well, stick with it. But and I think they almost trusted that Dallas was going to be just not capable of moving the ball so well or just like shoot themselves in the foot by turning it over. I think they're like leaning on those beliefs a little bit too much. At a certain point though, in the second half of a football game, you have to you gotta read the room that you're in. You know, mm-hmm. and, and if that if that run's really not panning out for you and you got playoff Russell Wilson in the pocket, like yeah. why were why and, were those drives well, so some of those some of those drives were seventy, eighty percent? How they should have played was the fourth two, quarter two three yard chunks the whole way. Right. And and when they actually let Wilson tee off a Open little bit, up, like yeah. he 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 was having a, a great game throwing. Why did he not, especially when they were down? Why were the, why was he not throwing more? Why was he not doing his playoff magic thing? Like we all know that he has that in his back pocket. Like right. let let the man run, Christ's sake. So great. Well, let let I mean Dak was almost in his role, and it almost looked Wilson was in Dak's role, just kind of holding on a little too long, just a role reversal of quarterbacks. I, I mean both team both players only got sacked once on each side of the ball. Um, but. A great snapshot of the game was when the Cowboys took the lead. Um, you know that uh, that Amari Cooper, uh, you know controversial. Did he catch it? Yeah. You know call, yeah. um, but it. it so the Cowboys took the lead 24 to 14 with uh, just over two minutes let, left. And the Seahawks, to that point, only had nine first downs with 224 yards. Um, you know, it, not, not to sell the Seattle, I mean, I mean, it's not to sell Dallas short. I mean, Seattle just didn't do what they were supposed to do. But Dallas did, defense did play a great game in my mind. They, they really got after the football in the first half and really 
kind of push that offense in a different way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, again, not to take anything from from Dallas's defense, but I don't think they were playing to the to uh, to Russell Wilson's strengths, and it was, you know. Once they once they turned it on, so Seattle gets the ball back there, down by ten, and I mean, I could see it in your body. You felt it. You knew it was coming. No, I mean, I haven't told and you they, like when Janikowski going out and it puts them in a position where they have to like in their mind think they have to be more aggressive and score now. I think that kind of switched their brain a little bit. But also like when you get down into like the thirty-five and you're like third and two and you don't have a kicker, it it just made them more aggressive, which kind of fed them to a little bit of success in the second half in my mind, mm-hmm. which is scaring the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it comes down, they, they score the, they scored the touchdown and then, um, they've got, what was it? Like a minute three left. Um, yeah. and they had the Australian rules punter, um, you know, try to try a little drop kick thing. It, it just took off on him. Um, uh, no chance at all. Uh, you, you know, with the with the new rules too, um, I think they need to look at that going forward into next season. Uh, massive failures for every team uh, on the onside kick play. Uh, you know, you can't load to one side anymore. You can't get a running start. There's just a lot of things that are really preventing this team from being or preventing that play from being successful in this league. And, and I think it's something that they need to look forward um, to, to changing for next year. Because, they, they, I mean... Yeah, but they're the, leaning to the side of nobody getting hurt. And you're, like, talking about now you can, like, got a guy just sprinting off the line, targeting somebody, like, trying to bust a, bust a kick open. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're largely very pleased with themselves for how few uh, I mean, that's why injuries it, happened on... Well, that's why it goes out of the back of the end zone 95% of the time. But, right. but think about... I, they, I, I agree they should tweak it, but I, I, I don't think that they're going... I don't think that they're going to uh, allow real big changes to go back in the other direction. I think they might add specific wrinkles for onside kicks. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for just the onside kick play... Um, to be, have that be a um, an effective play at all. I heard some talk about, you know, maybe um, setting up a like a a fourth down on your own thirty yard line or your own forty yard line as the onside uh, kick play. Like if you go, you you get a first down, it's your possession. You right. move forward from there. Right. I would even accept, like, if you call that it's going to be a true onside kick, then you run out with, like, eight players. You spread it open. Hmm. But we're really fishing right here. <laughs> I don't know how we got off in this aspect, but I see where you're going. Like, you want to see... I just, I just want it to be a play Shit, that... sorry. That Marty, Marty could see how loud his laugh is <laughs> in the graphic of the uh, incoming audio. <laughs> just emoji of your ears bleeding. <laughs> So, anyways, um, any any final thoughts on the game? No, I mean, this these are two teams hot coming in six out of seven for Seattle, uh, seven out of eight for Dallas. I think if you're a Seahawk fan, you're happy with what you're rolling into next season with this team. You established the run. Russell Wilson's clearly healthy and and invested for years to come. And now you're walking in and you keep Baldwin and Lockett. 
this is going to be a dirty team next oh, year. Oh, yeah. Can we talk? Can they're, we, can, can dirty we dirty remove Lockett from the underrated category and let everybody? A little bit. We can everybody just, like, say this guy's legitimate. Legitly. Yeah. He's, he is very 120 good. yards that game. He's still, like, he was, and like we talked about, why didn't you let it loose when you got these two guys who are sure-handed and just know how to play the game. It, it, it did lose me in a little bit, but I'm not sad about it. You but, really see them missing Jimmy Graham, though. You know, and, and having that third option because uh, at the beginning of the year it was looking like rookie Will Disley was going to be able to come down with some balls and provide at least some kind of option, but he's been absolutely nothing. I don't know if it's necessarily safe to say Graham, though, too, because he did, he did flourish a little bit in that system. He was non-existent with the Packers in his time as well. So, uh, But definitely, they, I mean, just like Dallas – both those teams could use a sure-handed tight end that can be effective. You're that much more scarier. I think that's what these two teams lack in a lot of ways. But, yeah. Uh, a true scary tight end, that's something that, like, 26 teams in the NFL lack. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That's, you know, that's a... But that's a, it might be the difference maker for some of these teams that are still left in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Even, even somebody like, uh, you know, like a Vance McDonald, though. You know, you don't need, you don't need a, a um, you know... Gronk, three four years ago, right? But just just somebody who can I mean, be a threat, right? You know, and we'll it, get into it a little bit a too with the Eagles, just like a blocker. Yeah, we'll get into it with the Eagles too. What we saw, I mean, with Ertz making some key plays as well. You know, huge. All right, before we get into that though, we're going to uh, tackle uh, L.A. winning twenty three uh, to seventeen against the Ravens in what was a three-quarter blowout and then a one-quarter tight butthole race. This is a weird game. Very weird game. Uh, this is like one of those games you just look at the refereeing, too, and just, I mean, the, the officiating, what do you want to say, but playing too much of a role in dictating kind of like the flow of this game as well. And there's going to be key points we probably talk about throughout the game. I know it was like just getting under your skin oh, all game long. Um, Even, you know... I've been I've been harping about this all year. It was my the thing I hated about 2018 <clears throat> in the last episode we did, but I feel like there are some really really chintzy pass interference calls that are that are being called that are having big impacts on big games that, you know, in the past have been um, you know, let the boys let the boys play playoff football. On the other side of that as well, you know, there are there are calls that need to be made that aren't being made or things that are being missed, and it's just like we have the most the most high tech uh, technology, you know, in these games. They they are you know they they show these things that are unofficial views with the lines and everything. It is nearly one hundred percent accurate. Why aren't the referees being afforded it's, this technology? It's almost what, I, what I've been chewing on for a few weeks I haven't talked about. I almost believe that NFL sees this as like added drama. Not that it's messing up the game, but it, keep, it keeps people like us talking about it, people tuning in a day later, like talking about that key call or like what happened that game. Like They almost see it as a way of adding a little bit more dramatics to the game, like letting these guys have in so much control and dictating so much within the flow of the game, the outcome of the game. And maybe that's 
my disbelief in Goodell and this era and this way this football, this league as a whole is moving. But it's it almost seems that way in some ways. Like it's just like they just like take too much in control and just don't let things just happen for what it is. I mean, I think I'm not certain that there's an effort being made to to like inject some drama via shitty calls. I think uh I think it's just I think it's just poor management. I th- I think that you just have uh I think you have a a group of officials who are not really getting a clear picture from their bosses as to what is what and right. and it, these guys, they're you know they're on TV too, they're they're getting Twitter roasted too. They're getting talked about in this in the sports For recaps some death later too, in the past. right? So there's let's let's not let's not discount the fact that these guys feel like they're under immense pressure to perform on live TV too. I know, and but I- and, and 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 there's I don't think there's really a clear I don't think there's really a clear mission that I'm, they yeah that they have. I, I, I think it's, I think they're all just trying to cover their asses all of the time. And I think they react to the backlash when there were too many unnecessary roughnesses being called. And I think they feel that. And then they started, you know, they started pulling it back and there's not really much of a disciplinary process for the officials. It's, it's kind no. of started a little bit now, but it's pretty much just been the same club of dudes for the for keeping their jobs forever. Right. I think you're misconstrued a little bit what I'm trying to, what I was trying to say it in the way and I probably didn't say it well but like what Nesto was saying I believe the NFL knows there's ways to make it better they're not in a rush to do it okay I, I, I don't think it's that. like intentional like referees are making bad calls on purpose but I think there's ways to add jobs add money which these guys don't want to like spend more in certain ways but I just believe like they could add people in the booth or they could add certain measurements to make calls more clear or even I, scale back on the rules a little bit because it's getting harder and harder for a referee with yeah. the targeting thing. You know what? What's a personal foul? I don't care what it is. Essay has been screaming that all year long. Even even if the rules are <laughs> even if the rules are unwritten, as if they could if they could just be the same. Yeah. Every yeah. week, and if the same hit every week was or was not flagged. That would just be grand. Honestly, that's, all, I, that's, that's true all. in every sport, though. I mean, you see that in hockey. Uh, the rules of regular season hockey and playoff hockey are entirely different. So, and and I think you're gonna see that in every sport in general. Uh, one thing that I do appreciate about hockey refereeing in the playoffs is they really, really lean to the side of let them play it out. We don't want the game to be decided on a call. Um, and the teams know that, but and that's, that's consistent every year in hockey. That being said, let's let's get into the game. Um, so so the the Ravens uh, brought masks and bats, and we're all fired up and, and acting like a scary mob at the beginning of the game. Uh, you know, in pregame warmups. But uh, the only thing Philip Rivers is scared of is birth control, and he brought the fucking <laughs> noise. You know, if he's not gonna pull out on his wife, he's gonna stay in the pocket. The man, the, game, the man's gonna stand in. And try to win the game. All right? Wow. We're thinking about this. Oh, my God. No so, matter what seed he is, his seed is strong. 
Rivers the only nine seed in the playoffs? Oh, right yeah. Take it down. I'm sending this to Chargers Instagram tomorrow. <laughs> so the, the I'm sending this to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Liam, you're going to fucking love this. The Chargers are 8-1 are and on the road this season mm-hmm. with their one road loss coming in the Coliseum against the Rams. <laughs> so... They I heard, heard that. Expect. I heard that. I heard, and I didn't even actually put it together that their their only road loss was at home. Oh <laughs> man, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, they're an incredible. They're an incredibly uh, just mentally tough team. They really don't seem to care about where they are. Um, it, it's almost seems like they prefer to like almost like that that home stadium for them is depressing because they don't really get to feel that love and they almost appreciate getting to go out and just like at least there's a reason why the they're volume not getting of the stadium. cheered in some yeah. other place like 28,000 people it's just like <laughs> holy moly there's high school stadiums that are bigger than that yeah absolutely yeah uh, no that's um, that's wild in, in, in today's NFL to, to pull that off hats off to them for that and that is that is the reason why I you know they're my kind of sweetheart for this playoffs. I, I think they are they are a team that is built to win. You know, a la Saints four, with no dome. Four four home games, or four yeah. four away games. I don't know. I mean, it it was just it was such a strange game. You're talking about if I told you Rivers went 160 yards passing and they won, you're like, what the hell? Yeah, he didn't throw any interceptions in in the playoffs, and so like, what the hell? Because that's kind of his mo in past. Uh, and Jackson, who just was clearly not comfortable, just seemed he well, could not get any. It's just a, it, it was he, he was just so herky jerky and so quick to tuck him. it in and run. Yeah, but he but he did, couldn't even really get anything done on the run. He did he did have uh, a co- a couple young uh, long runs. What, what do you have? Uh, he had 55, 55 yards total. I mean, he had set. I mean, think about it. I, I think seven sacks, sixteen hurries. Like you just can't even take a step back. So what I saw, what I saw, what they did is that they kind of eliminated their linebackers. The Chargers uh, eliminated their linebacker scheme, and instead, All what they Browns. did, yeah, what they did was they they set three safeties in in each of the gaps. Um, you know, so they were able to uh, tackle the catch quickly. They were able to contain the run, and they were also able to uh, keep you know Lamar from um, f- you know from scrambling and, and making uh, making lemonade out of lemons. You know. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, that's the, really that's that's probably the very best thing for it because you know you you're. you're your usual answer to a good scrambling quarterback is like, all right, leave leave a linebacker in as a spy, but how many linebackers are going to catch up with Lamar Jackson? That guy's the fastest man on the field half the time. Should have been, so should have been if like... You're gonna, if you're going to have that kind of, you know, even for that simple kind of defensive anti-scrambling scheme to be successful, you got to put a faster person in that position. I'd almost so, like, like kudos to them for, yeah. for adapting there. Well, they just followed the Browns playbook. You know, the, the in the second half... Uh, of the game against the Browns, you know they made they made some adjustments, and um, I, you know it's exactly what I said last week. The 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 tape is out on Lamar Jackson, and you know the Chargers will be able to see enough to be able to uh, effectively um, 
you know, stifle what he has. Now, that said, going into uh, halfway through the fourth quarter, the Chargers were leading 23-3, to, 23 to three, um, and... Could have been easily 27-3. to three. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and the entire city of Baltimore was screaming for Joe Flacco to come back in. Never thought that would happen, huh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to the point where the, the um, you know, the third-string quarterback went over and was, like, yelling at the fans, like, this is the man that got us here. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, that's who we're going with. Fuck. And <laughs> that ser- seriously, that shit happened. You know, and, they, and you know, they were so impassioned. And they went with him, and he was able to to, to give them a, a, leg, a legitimate run at it with with two uh, two touchdown passes to Cap, Crabtree, but um, it was too little, too late. Too little, too late. And and I uh, I hear what you're saying about the the uptick in in the performance from the Chargers defense with having seen tape and having had more time. Uh, after after having been surprised by him earlier in the year, I think Lamar Jackson single handedly made the Chargers look a lot better than they actually would have done against anybody else. Anybody else? He, well, they couldn't he play was, that scheme. He, he was he you know he was yeah, mishandling he snaps. He was you know he clearly very over, underthrowing players. Not, he was very obviously not protecting the ball yeah. the way he should, and that disturbingly. For him is is a trend. He's fumbled in every game since week nine, I want to say. Especially um, that one where he's chicken winging way this, out here. But this one was, this one was a sight four, to see, he? man. Uh, three, three turnovers three. total. Yeah, I, I, I obviously you 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 get you got to give the Chargers credit for being in the right place, making plays, picking up that ball that's on the ground, uh, but. Man, he for three quarters of play he did not look like an NFL quarterback, and 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 anybody's gonna gonna look great against against the uh, the kind of donuts he was throwing up. Unless the Patriots down by fourteen, you're not gonna get that gift next week. This is gonna be a well played football game, so the Chargers defense better get ready for something completely different. I know where you're leaning towards. I think I think they are ready for it. But if Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa can can continue to uh, get the kind of pressure. That they did on on Lamar, and again, it's not the same. They won't. If this is week line, seven but. against the Patriots, I say yes. But the way the Patriots have been playing, their line has been playing the last few weeks. No, that's not going to change. Yeah, the line has improved, and and it's you know the Patriots, Tom Brady specifically, the the speed at which the offense pulls the trigger, uh, the time between snap and throw uh, is so small. It, you gotta be you gotta be real real fast to even think about it. Even if you don't get blocked particularly well, I don't think uh, I don't think they're gonna have a bad game. The Chargers D is legit. I'm not trying to to, to disrespect them. No, but uh, they were handed a gift. Right, but in they're a lot not, of ways. they they got made to look like superheroes in this game. Where I think they just they showed up and they had a good game. Super superheroes, but you're also showing the Patriots a little bit how the Ravens played the fourth by just like. Being aggressive too, so as a Patriots offense, you gotta love knowing like if you get down. Man, a I'd bit. still rather play Lamar though. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, no goddamn? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll get into that. Let's um, let's move on to the uh, Sunday evening game. 
just a complete fucking heartbreaker. I still feel like I got kicked in the nuts, and I don't actually care about either of these teams. <laughs> Nick Foles magic on display again. Uh, the Eagles Trayvon Heston tips a quarter, uh, Cody Parkey uh, field goal Which attempt. Which is cl- uh, clarified today, right? Yep. The tip. Yep, it was just clarified that it was not Being a missed Monday. field goal. Yeah, I um, still don't think Cody Parkey can go back to Chicago for a couple weeks. You know, and uh, someone's going to light his car on fire. I think. I, when, I think when it comes out that it's tipped, uh, especially considering it was tipped and he just barely fucking missed it. Right. Um, you know, and yeah. he made the first one. Most successful icing of a of a kicker in modern uh, modern memory, though. Like Jesus. Yeah, it, it felt kind of quaint when he did it. Like, oh man, look, he saw an old football movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it worked. It was perfectly executed. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was him. <laughs> well, now it's competition. Uh, you guys anyway, both anyway. have ridiculously loud but, laughs. But, you know, what I posted today on the Instagram and, and Facebook was like, shame on you Bears fans because this is a home team, meaning the Bears, who were plus two in turnovers that it came down to a fucking field goal. Like, shame on you in that position. When Nick Foles gives you two interceptions, and when not only that, I mean, Philadelphia controlled this game, and when there is, you know, uh, well, who had Bennett? Bennett had the 15-yard penalty mm-hmm. that gave, that extended to Chicago to get the, get the field goal. And then there was a reversal. I mean, the dropped, the uh, Trey Sullivan, the interception in the end zone that he dropped. I mean, if he catches that, that game's done in my mind. And he gets another field I mean, Parker gets another field goal out of that as well. So this is a guy, when you called upon because your offense failed or you got lucky, he made those field goals for you, and you're leaning on him to make that last one. But you failed in a lot of ways throughout that game. Uh, you know, the, it's easy to point the finger at the last guy who had possession of the win, meaning him. Yeah, and to be clear, this is not Bears players that were doing this. This is these were, these, we're talking Bears fans. Bears Bears players were very supportive. Oh no no no! And and that guy stand up to own that right away. He could like avoided the interviews, like shied away from the situation. He stood in like it's on me. I'm in that situation. They brought me in after letting go of Gould, who was like 82 for 85 after let it, being let go by the Bears. You know this kid had a hard time hitting. I mean it was un, just so incredible how many times he hit the post this year for it to yeah. end up in bad situations. Yeah and. I don't know. So there, there's just so many other factors of this game. I mean, let's talk about Tariq Cohen only having four touches and only one of those on the ground. Like, yeah. I, I mean, when he was such a big part of their success throughout the year, and arguably the only reason why they were in a position to make or to attempt that field goal at the end of, at the end of the uh, of the game was the return right. that they gave what right. that he gave them with less than a minute left, like you don't get a lot of chances to rip off an extra 33 yards. And he, you know, spun out of a couple tackles and, and, and really just, well, I mean, let's talk, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. So I think the, the biggest culprit in this loss for the bears is, 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 uh, Nagy, right? Like he's got to shoulder most of the blame here. I mean, incredibly conservative play calling throughout the first half, uh, I mean, the Bears only had three plays for more than 10 yards in the first half. They weren't challenging down the field. They weren't spreading things out. They weren't running the ball. They weren't getting it going. And then the um, clock management 
at the end of the game rivals Poor. that of Tom Mike Tom. Losing minds. I was losing my mind. I didn't understand it. I thought I was watching a Steelers game. It was fucking unbearable to watch. How are you not giving your offense more time to make a comeback when the Eagles are so very clearly going to score there? I mean, I understand you have one of the best uh, defenses in the But a the stop league. is a stop. Even if you call a timeout, you're in a better position to set up your defense. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me in that way. I, I, I kind of understood at the time. It felt like he, he was valuing the idea that he could have at least one play in the center of the field when they were driving back. I think uh, when a team with no time and no timeouts becomes very easy to defend because you have to be playing for the sideline constantly. Whereas a team with just one timeout has to be respected across the center of the field. And I think the you're you're I think you're referring to the rather than taking three timeouts first, second and third down or, or rather second, third and fourth down, whatever it was, uh, he allowed one of those he allowed them to chew the whole play seconds, clock for, yeah. for forty seconds once. I don't I don't think you have the mindset to use all of them, at least use one to see if they're gonna to go to the outside or try to go to the middle, but you can either stop them or if they go to the outside you can try to hold them in so they have to burn that. But, but the, I, the I thing think... is is you gotta if you're going to take that approach, you gotta start with that approach i think and if you if you start that approach on second down you're you were um you're just burning 40 seconds like it doesn't make sense i think that i i could understand at the time why he didn't want to burn all three of the timeouts um I, I, I don't know if the 40 seconds was worth that, but I, I feel like there was a tangible benefit to uh, maintaining one timeout through that drive um, for for their last drive. Uh, the only reason the position you're in to win after that after that debacle in my mind is you got a 35-yard return. In my mind, as a head coach, you can't just plan on getting a 35-yard return and putting yourself in good position to kick that field goal. Yeah, but I think... For sure, uh, it's real hard to move the football when you have, when you're under a minute and when you have no timeouts because everybody's, you know, they know that you're either running or throwing to, to the sideline every single time because you can't afford to get knocked out in the in the center of the field. And I think he feared not being able to move the ball at all under those circumstances, and that the extra forty minutes, forty seconds, wouldn't actually help. Yeah. Um. Uh, you can we can debate the, the the play calling and the or rather the uh, the time management situational football if you want, uh, but I, I, when you when you call him out for conservative play calling, isn't that how they got here? In a way, you I mean you definitely relied on your defense. Then you lead leaguing thirty six takeaways. Exactly. You played field position. You're, you're, I get you're, it. You're, you're consistently. But this is uh, also treated to. These d- are both d- Andy Reid prodigies, Peterson and Nagy, who could also have an offensive play scheme in line to well, be aggressive. Okay, and okay. Aggressive. throughout the season, when were the Bears good? It was when the defense made plays and Mitchell Trubisky didn't fuck it up. And not to not to not to say he's a he's an albatross. Right, but then they should have. But run he was more. prone to he was prone to to making big mistakes but that would take them out of the game. We're at almost times. talking like he went for like 180 yards, 200 yards. This is a guy who went for 303 yards, and it showed in the second half when he got out when the play broke down. He got it outside the pocket. 
he could throw against his body and actually make those plays, which didn't we didn't get to see a lot of yes, in the regular is, season. He is capable of it. So As he, he played really well. In the, he played really well in the second half. He was thirteen of twenty for one hundred ninety eight yards and a touchdown. He had great ball placement under pressure. I mean, Allen Robinson caught ten passes for one hundred forty three yards. What? But it all happened in the second half. They should they they should have. Come out strong. I understand that's what that had had won them. Um, they definitely leaned on the side and let let our defense win the first half. Right, and and I, I think that's a I think that's a lesson for next year because they are they news is out on the Chicago Bears. They're not you know the Bears that we that we grew up with, which were you know the doormats of of mm-hmm. the league. Easy, I'm older. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, I know so, but I, I was looking at Liam. And, well, look at the microphone instead. <laughs> you always tapping on my goddamn shoulder. Uh, I'm a loud voice. <laughs> so I promise. I, I I really believe that uh, that he was playing to the strengths that had gotten him there. Uh, it, it, when when the Bears did lose games, it seemed too often it was because Mitchell Trubisky was overexposed or trying to do too much. I don't have a problem with a coach who has uh, a, a head and shoulders dominating defense uh, and a young quarterback who shows flashes, who can, you, who can manage the game and has some, some great moments of playing, making some great plays, but also has been, on some occasions, the reason why they couldn't stay in a game. I don't mind him having winning a defensive battle be his plan A. And like you said, in the second half, when it was proven to not be working, he opened up Trubisky a little bit, and he was rewarded for that. And, and maybe you could make the argument he should have done it earlier, but I, I think he was following the formula that had won throughout the season, and he was playing to the strengths of his team. He's got a very unproven rookie quarterback in his first playoff game, you know, and and you know. T- Look back to the Ravens and Chargers game to see how that can work when you lean on that guy too much. He went out and he tried to win with his bread and butter, and it didn't work. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rake him over the coals for that. Well, it, uh, not to toot my own horn, and listen to last week's show a little bit, and we talked. I mean, Foles could have that Foles magic, and and Jeffries, who I thought was gonna have a pretty decent game this game. Alshon Jeffries looked good this game. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge third down plays from him, and also I think we're underrating what has been a very, very beat up Eagles defense most of the season, who in the last six games have been healthy, and that's shown. These guys scraped and clawed their way back in to this playoff. So no, uh, I tip my hat to them, and that's very hard to do being a Cowboys fan. But these guys have grinded it out. They adjust. Uh, Coach Peterson is, in my mind one of the best out there right now. And uh, they just they called a, a great game. They, they hung right in there with those guys, and they shot themselves in the foot so many times to easily just back down from the situation. Um, they shoot themselves in the kicking foot? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> my, so my main, my main takeaway take from this game, the thing, that, uh, the thing that I'll remember about it certainly is – for me, I don't think I've ever seen in the last two minutes of a football game the uh, like the moral of the story, the story of the game, 
change in my mind so many times. Uh, you know, at first, watching the last few minutes, at first it was like, oh my god, Nick Foles is going to pull it out against this Bears defense. And then they, all of a sudden, they almost get the four down stop on the two yard line. Yeah. And, and it, it switches to, no, oh my god, the Bears are going to win with a defensive stop inside the five. And that never happens. And, and then they get that fourth down touchdown, and the narrative changes again to like, oh, man, you know, this game that you really was sure the defense was, was going was gonna to be what they wrote on, now it's on Trubitsky's shoulders. Can he handle it? And he... He, he very, played and well. He got him more than It was basically game. one throw yeah. and a return, and, and that was it. Two, but, two throws. Two throws But out. still, he didn't cave. He didn't turn it over. He didn't yep. take a bad sack. Uh, and, and he got them... 10 yards past where theoretically they needed to be. This is a guy, and, did, I mean, we talk about it, but Parky was 11 for 12 in this in this realm of like yardage yeah. to win in fourth quarter. That and, was his and, stat. And, and, and the, the story just kept on flip-flopping, flip-flopping, and, and then the saddest thing to me, and I think the reason why I felt like just hollow at the end of it, not, not just for the fact that I had gone on record as picking the Bears to just run everybody out of this uh, postseason, uh, but it came down to the same thing that it's been all season for everybody. It's field been goal missed kicking. goddamn field goals. I don't uh, know anything about that. It's just, <laughs> no. It's, it, <laughs> I, I, there's, there's you know suspense Tom in just it. You know Tom up and down, go for two every time during that game. There's suspense in it, and there's, you know, it, it, makes, it, was for, a great... it makes for some indelible moments in sports history, I guess. Yeah, but it's just it feels like a ripoff. I mean, fuck. At the end of a game, it was a, it was a great, it was it a great weekend of football. Besides, old faithful Justin Tucker missed missed a field goal in that in the. No kidding, he did. I didn't see that. Yeah, but My also, God. I mean, to keep in mind too, three out of the four home teams lost this week too. Well, that's nuts. Yeah, no place like home. <laughs> Uh, All right, can let's... we take a uh, quick break and go into uh, the matchups next week? All right, we're going to hear your essay at the very end. Oh, yeah, baby. I can't wait. We're going to take a quick break, which is going to be so quick for you that are listening, but we're going to refill our drinks and get it back going. All right. Welcome back. Uh, you were just serenaded by the glorious sounds of Cody Parker getting booed off the field. I thought it was because we took a break. <laughs> it's a studio audience. <laughs> All right, so uh, looking forward into uh, next week. What are we looking at, Marty? Well, uh, with the Colts winning in Houston, we have Colts, Kansas City. Which we called last week on the show that the Colts are going to move past the Texans oh, into Kansas City. That's a good point. The G- GMSR boys went um, 500 on the four picks we had for this weekend. Um, Not our fault. Coach's fault. <laughs> Coach's fault. <laughs> I, w- I would like to say, despite my disastrous Bears call, I also had the Cowboys going you did. against you did. the grain on that one. You did. So I'm still even with all of y'all. And the only reason I <laughs> want to pick the Cowboys is because I just... Can't can't do that. I can't do. I just yeah. rather be surprised and happy than like expect a win and be let down like the last sixteen fucking years of my life. Moving on. 
Now you know how your parents feel. <laughs> wow! Really? I kid because I love Marty. I kid because oh I love Oh my him. goodness. Hey, you guys are both orphans. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jesus. So is Batman, so whatever. Thank God we all have a great sense of humor. Woo! <laughs> so is Batman. I am. I am not Clark Kent, sir. Anyway. I'm just kidding. Uh, Bruce that was Wayne. the joke of the joke. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, Superman's also an orphan, but let's really move along. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, Kansas City at home, 7-1 and one at home. You know, uh, our man has brought lucrative bank to Liam's uh, account, Mahomes. <laughs> $25 at a time. <laughs> it's just like Rolling screaming it out like, pay me. Uh, anyway, and if you're listening to the show and you're part of the league, pay the motherfucker, okay? Send it to him. Um, but anyway, uh, Colts have been impressed. I mean, we talked about it earlier. They started out the season one and five. They're rolling. They're playing well. This is a one of the best offensive lines going into a home game against Kansas City. But you also got to think about how Kansas City is so anemic deficient lacking on offense I mean excuse me defense and how they give up a lot of points per game especially in the last six of their games this is gonna... in this in the season so this is a five and a half uh, point favor right now on the line Vegas uh, going towards Kansas City but I think you should be on your heels Kansas City with these this team rolling into your stadium right now yeah I, th- I think this is uh they're they're drawing the worst team to play right now. Yeah. Uh, I I think this this might, as you look back on it, be the best game of of the postseason. We uh, hope. We hope. I I really want to see like a great game right here. Yeah. I I I still. I'm still going to say Chiefs. I'm I don't think they're going to cover though. Okay. I'm not so sure about that. I think it's going to be a very close, very high-scoring game. I see both these teams in the 30s or 40s. And you've been a Patriot fan right here. I will say, and I'm going to, I'm going to hold hard on this, I think the Colts win, but I think whoever wins this game is your AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Hmm. This is, uh, this is going to be, I think, a, um, uh, a shootout. Um I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense played in this game. I think we're going to see something similar to what we saw with the the Rams Chiefs uh, game, where it's just you know big play after big play, end to end, almost like a tennis match. Um, you know, the over under on this is it's fifty six and a half. So, um, well, let's think. I, I, I think ham, hammer the over, right? For sure, absolutely. But let's think about. Balanced offenses with good running games. We talk about Seattle. We talk about the Rams. We talk about the Colts with now Mac playing so well, rolling in. Has not fared well against the Seahawks. Not fared well against the Rams. Has not fared well possibly against this team. You're looking at Indy. Their, their defensive points per game is at 17 right now in the last three games to Kansas City's 23.3 with their offensive points per game being at 27-3, Kansas City at 31. So all this is telling me trend-wise that this is going to be a very close game with an experienced quarterback down towards the end, not necessarily the most talented, 
but the most experienced where I'm leaning on luck to be the guy to get that last-minute drive to win that game. I don't think you want Mahomes necessarily down after looking at that Rams game because he did throw the last couple interceptions in the fourth quarter, pressing too hard. I think it's whoever's dictating that lead is going to be – I mean, that's a Madden thing to say. Whoever's winning by the end is going to win. But, <laughs> <laughs> but whoever's like dictating the lead and trying to control the lead for the majority of the time is going to be the one – Necessarily, you don't want to be in that position as Kansas City. So you think, but you don't, you don't, you think you time don't feel, of possession wins this game? A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just feel like no matter what the case may be, you feel a little bit better if you're down by two or down by three with luck than you are with Mahomes. I hear that. I, I, I think uh, the, maybe the, the Rams and Chiefs are a, a great example for, for this for a different reason. I think as much as this will probably be an offense – uh, dominated game for four quarters, I think very likely what it's going to come down to is one team in a, in, a, in a timely fashion late in the game getting that one takeaway yeah. that, that, that flips the script of the back and forth touchdown parade that's going on. And you're going to get that one team to have get two scores in a row and upset that balance. Yeah. And, 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 and Go in for the win, and and truthfully, the, the Colts defense is just significantly better. So by my own argument, I should be on the Colts on this one. Uh, I I guess it's just it's it's got to be my Broner for uh, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that I just can't I, I I can't look past. But uh, you're such a Mahomo. <clears throat> Oh, well played. Okay. <laughs> well, played. all right. I'll take that. <laughs> And also, besides Bill the Thrill Belichick, I think if you're giving a coach a buyer like Andy Reid, you better watch out as head coach Frank Wright going into this game. But I do want to point out because I just talked about it, like at Ram, I mean, excuse me, at Raiders, it was forty thirty three. Not t- talking about the last game of the season, but three weeks prior, at Ravens they give up uh, twenty four points. Chargers, 29 points. Seahawks, the last game of the season, 38 points. And I still think the Colts are far superior on offense than any of those teams I just listed. Maybe not the Chargers so much, but they better I mean, they better get ready for for a great offensive line coming into your town and be prepared to like how to deal with that situation. But it's gonna be an exciting game, I think, for sure. Yeah. I, I another another layer of prejudice on this for me might be that I also I definitely feel like the Patriots have a better chance against the Chiefs than they do against the Colts. I'll take that. Um, Absolutely. So much of what the Patriots do is based on confusing the quarterback, and no matter how deep my Mahomes love love runs, he is a much easier quarterback to confuse than Luck. Absolutely. Um, it's very difficult to ruffle luck. Also, it's very difficult to ruffle any man who stands behind that kind of impenetrable wall. Like, Andrew Luck, if he's confused, has the liberty of taking a couple extra seconds and getting himself not confused. Because he's got Quentin Nelson in front of him at all. These guys are gonna get, would give him the time to, uh, to, sort of pick, you know, unpack and understand what's going on in front of him defensively in a way that I think is really detrimental to a Belichick coached defense that relies so much on on that mental part week. of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that and that's incredible. I I thought you know I we knew that line was good. I didn't think that they were going to. I didn't think they were going to completely neuter that Texans pass rush. That was an incredible performance. I'm I am definitely after after that game. I am much more on board with uh, with the Colts being the juggernaut that Johnny has been saying they are for a while, uh, and. They scare me, and I, 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 I want Mahomes to just have a freak offensive day to overcome this this team, which he's perfectly capable of, you know, putting up 50 points uh, on the right day. Yeah. And, and they could, you know, the Chiefs could swing for the fences and absolutely knock this team out, and I'm kind of relying on it because I, I don't want to see my boys playing Andrew Luck right now. Fair enough. And this is, I mean, you're talking about old blood, Frank Wright, head coach, Buffalo, just like, this, he can, like, just unleash. You don't want that deflate gate <laughs> yeah. redemption. A little bit. Well, it's the McDaniels redemption, too. It's, it's, it's all of it. The, you know, the Colts, the Colts have been proverbially, you know, throwing darts at, you know, a, a, a board with Belichick's face on it all day, all decade, really. Pretty much, yeah. You know, and, sure. and and I think they know that this might be their best chance, but both in, in them having the most complete team they've had in a while and the Patriots having more flaws than they've had in a while, yeah, uh, they would show up to play that game for sure. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should still be talking about uh, Kansas City and, and Indianapolis specifically, but... Well, I think we said enough. I mean, we know it's going to be a shootout. Um... I, I just, yeah. I can't wait. I think this is going to be the game of the week out of these games coming up, for sure. I mean, moving on to the next one, I mean... Over-under on uh, how many points combined from tight ends? Ooh! <coughs> Kelsey, Kelsey and Ebron in the same game together? How many touchdowns do you think that is? Three. Yeah, I'd set the over-under at three and a half combined. Yeah, okay. Because so you want to win, you're Vegas. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So we, um, the GMSR boys picked this matchup, and we are going officially with the Colts on this. All right. Uh, besides the uh, Mahoma. Minority Report over here? What's that? Yeah, Minority Report. <laughs> <laughs> we know Johnny likes the Colts, too, so it's all good. Oh, God. Uh, Cowboys going into, and what I also didn't mention earlier, kind of, as much as I don't want to see Philadelphia move on, but give us a little bit of a push west rather than east over to New Orleans to go to the Rams. Um, it's the better matchup for It's you. the better matchup for us for sure. Uh, minus seven, which that line, only non-Patriots to cover a line of minus seven in the last decade um, was 2014 uh, Seahawks You're to beat the Bears. Right? Yeah, postseason. To 2010, uh, vice versa, it was the Bears beating the Rams. I mean, excuse me, uh, vice versa, the Bears beating the Seahawks. So this line is, is set here. There's actually a lot of big lines uh, this coming week. But uh, I, like we said, I definitely like my chances as a Cowboys fan uh, with the Rams. Are they going into the Dome against uh, the Saints? We're talking about uh, a defense. Also kind of talking about... Kansas City, you know, where they lack in their secondary. 
where we know the Rams are stronger up front, uh, but also if you can hold that line and create a running game, and which opens up your passing game, that Rams defense secondary susceptible to a lot of yardage if you can get a game plan going. Um, and I like Cooper going into the to the Coliseum and playing over there. Uh, this is how much is losing Alan Hearns going to hurt you in this game? Not much, not at all. I mean, I, th- I feel like Michael Gallup is 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 gonna... he's a streaker. I mean, what Garrett said he had about a big game. Yeah, I talked about Hearns last week. He was a great guy who was supposed to come in this season being a playmaker. Could not be the playmaker, but also kind of like filled in like different positions from a tight end to a blocking tight end. Uh, to a slot, to the outside receiver. Uh, he did a little bit of everything for the team. Uh, everybody talked about him. Dak this week, Ezekiel, uh, a lot of the offensive linemen. Coach Garrett was just like he was the ultimate locker room guy this year. So hopefully he's there in the locker room. He had successful surgery. Uh, he's optimistic being back next year, and that's going to be one hell of a comeback. But um, I don't think he hurts us in the game plan. Um, he can still be a force for us in the locker room. Hope the players rally around him because the guy is, is a great guy. But this is a team, you know, we know the Rams, they're 28th against the run. We know what Ezekiel can do, leading rusher of the league going into this, I mean, coming out of the season. Win that um, first quarter. That's that's what it comes down to for me. Cowboys got to win the first quarter. Time of possession again. This is a thing. You got, not he's got to get 30 touches from behind. He's got to get 30 yeah. touches again. You got to control the ball for 30 more minutes. Yeah, let it let it be let it be Zeke for 30 Zeke minutes, cruise me. control for 35 touches or something on the day. Like make like work hard to make that narrative happen. Right. Uh, and and yes, the the. The deep secondary of the Rams is is a, a big flaw of theirs, which is strange because they invested so much in it. And granted, part of it is part of it was was injuries throughout, um, but it really did show up to be an unexpected weakness of this team. Yeah, uh, and and that should be exploited, but uh, I think it should be exploited in uh, letting Zeke set up. A, hand, a small handful of really big play action passes. Yeah. Rather than rather than saying, oh, okay, let's go in here and 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 just huck a chuck all game long. Uh, but I don't think that. I think you're really going to see a lot of Dak runs this this game too. Mm-hmm. A lot of like two step drops and run up the gut. A uh, little misdirection. I I really think they're in. They should just sell it all out right now to get to the NFC Championship and just. Not necessarily believe you could win it all. You can get there. I think you had to buy the fact that you can get there. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I don't know if any part of my rational brain can really, in good conscience, pick the Cowboys in this one. But I'm, which is understandable. I, I see some, I see some things, some like some what they did against New Orleans. Some telltale, uh, sort of signals to me that that. This could be a ripe upset game. Uh, the Rams, uh, I feel like they kind of limped in. They, they did. They limp. did not. They yeah. did not reach the postseason with any particular momentum. You and, lost to the Bears. You lost and, to the Eagles. And under those circumstances, who don't extra, have great the rushing extra attacks, week off is not necessarily a, a good, good thing. thing. Uh, Especially for a young team. Yeah, I, I, I think that. I think they're gonna. They might 
lose a little fire in their belly over that. I think they right. they came out of the gate this season just swinging for the fences, and and for the first half of the year, I feel like they, they felt like they'd proven it. We're the best team. The end. It's like they won that and money. They, it's like they won that Monday night game. Like this is our season to have. Yeah. I guess it gets Kansas City. And then, and then, and then I don't that know was like they, the Super like Bowl. They forgot the that they season. had to work for it. Yeah. Or 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 they just lost. You know, maybe they maybe they well, needed Gur- that. Gurley that. lost a step after that. I mean, he would they rest him two games heading into the end of the season there. Yeah. And and, off and, on. and that's that's also a possible mitigating factor, understanding why they they didn't really seem to to hum the same way for sure. But I I don't I feel like uh, I feel like the Cowboys are going to come in hungrier and with more of an edge. I agree. And that can sometimes that can be enough, and you never know how a team's going to react after a bye week. We've seen it work wonders for some teams, getting rested and getting their head right and getting healthy, and Sometimes, Sometimes you just watch you them get rusty, rusty yeah. and, and or team winning a huge game and just feeling connected and right. like everything's working right and then, for them. And then that could play right into into you know that that sort of narrative that I just carved out for the the Cowboys, where if you win the first quarter by enough, the path to victory is really simple. I'm gonna make a prediction. Whoever wins the running game wins the ball game. It's going to be Gurley versus Dak. Whoever comes out on top moves on to the next round. I think that in time of possession goes hand in hand because you have a solid running game. You're going to win the time of possession. I think that's where it's going to be key. Um, Not to say that the Rams can't score in two minutes every time because they're that explosive. We know that. Um, And I'm going to go back to what I said last week too. It's going to depend on, on the game planning with the coaches with Dallas, they they really need to come in with a solid game plan, and know how to react to either early onslaught, or especially in this history of this team, meaning the Cowboys, how to react to a lead, because sometimes they lie back on their heels and let some let teams throw on them, which Seattle was doing late in the game. So you got to really understand, like either you're going to be aggressive all the way through, and stand in and attack, and go for the win. And not get complacent. I think that's a huge thing for the Cowboys. I think it's shot them in the foot so many times in the past. They've been learn from it. So the GMSR boys were a split jury on this one, the four of us. Um, we I know had, Johnny would take the Rams. We had picked Chicago uh, to move on uh, into this game. So now seeing that it is Dallas. Um, I got to take Rams at home still. I, I like Rams at home. Yeah, uh, I did. Despite all the shit I've just been talking about them, the smart <laughs> money is absolutely on the Rams. The, the the talent that they have at all the skill positions is seemingly insurmountable. It, I think there are there's some writing on the wall where it could go the other way, but that's all going to be. If it happens, it's going to be because the Rams let it slip through their fingers. And for that reason, I, I have to. The, they are in control of their fate, in my opinion. If they come out and they recapture some of that intensity that made them the buzz saw they were for eight, nine, ten weeks, uh, then the Cowboys. I, I just don't think they have the talent on the field to to weather to, that. Yeah. Um, or respond. 
Yeah, agreed. And I kind of want that feeling. I want them to hear that all week long as a Cowboy fan. Absolutely. I need I need that motivation on, on that chalkboard, that pinup board in the locker room to get them angry, to get them moving forward. I will say, betting-wise, minus seven, I think they cover. I think this is like within four and a half, five points. I agree that they cover. The, <clears throat> I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. The over uh, Vegas has the over-under at 48 right now. Um, I take the under on that. The Cowboys want the under on that. Yeah, the Cowboys damn, do. Damn sure, they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would probably go with the over. I think Rams are going to put more more points than that on the board. Uh, moving on, Eagles uh, going into the dome. This is where I was fearing as a Cowboys fan. Uh, I did not want to see the Saints. We're talking about uh, Saints home playoff games since two thousand one uh, points. Last those last times were 31-45, 31-45, 27-point score. These guys know how to score at home. They know how to feed off the crowd. Um, but then again, here's that little white elephant in the room named Nick Foles. And this is a Super Bowl defending champions. His, his voodoo, I don't know who he sold his soul to. I heard he... He put out a statement uh, earlier this week that when he retires, he wants to be a pastor. Um, so I, he's got the power of Jesus on his side. I don't, I don't know if he's He has beatable. exercised the demons. I don't know if he's beatable. <laughs> I mean, Carson Wentz is also wildly Bible-thumping, so... Yeah, but he's a soulless ginger, so... <laughs> uh, Malachi! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what there really is to talk about in this game because Did he just go over you right there. He doesn't even want to acknowledge. Truthfully, it. truthfully, the only the only thing that we could say as a legitimate reason why the Eagles could win this game is Nick Foles. But have you seen Nick Foles right. lose a playoff game though? Like he's yeah. he's something about him. It, it's it's either he's just some crazy statistical anomaly on one side of a bell curve that we've never seen before, or he really just does have some magical extra back pocket full of, of athleticism and luck, and I, I don't know. I can't athleticism think of a, I, definitely isn't it. Well, in, in that... Escapability. In that throwing a ball to exactly where you want it, Right. Is an athletic maneuver, yes. I don't mean escaping the pocket or scrambling or anything like that. Or running in general. He's great he's great at catching passes though. <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> Small uh, sample size. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I I think everybody agrees, uh you gotta pick the Saints. There's a million reasons why the Saints are a better team. It's Vegas just is gonna give you nine and a half reasons to pick the Saints. Literally at this point. It's you just you look at Nick Foles and you go, how many times, am do do I have the emotional wherewithal to bet against you again? Yeah, I don't I don't know. But also, I can't I can't tell you that lightning bolts aren't going to strike Drew Brees because Nick Foles wishes it so. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> in the dome, no less. Right, a, a lightning bolt in a dome. <laughs> Somehow it got through. I don't know. He's <coughs> he's a witch doctor or something. Uh, I'm not going to say out loud that he's going to lose this game because I'm afraid he might listen and turn me into a frog later. That if you're said, lucky. <laughs> the Saints are going to win this game. They have yeah, to, right? Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. All right. Hmm. Uh, Saints by a mile. I think it's by a mile. Yeah, I think it's. You're an fun. idiot. No, I think you want to be I, a frog. <laughs> I think it's. I think this is the. This is this is the Colts Texans game of the week. Uh, I don't I know. I think it's. I think the Saints just absolutely turn, uh, the Eagles inside out. All right, NFC East has proven pretty well in the past against the Saints. So, uh, I. I think I, I, I nine and a half. I, I don't know think, about a mile. I, I think, think I think the Eagles tease the cover. Two scores, at least two scores. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking, thinking ten I'm points. Thinking a ten point game. Ten probably. point, just shy. Oh, I still take the Saints in the points, but ten shy. But uh, you know, you got to think if you're Saints, you're shooting to make at least thirty-two to thirty-five points to to rest easily on your heels. Yeah. But yeah, Nick Foles. But there are there are. Few teams better equipped to put thirty something, forty something points on the board. Oh, over under is at fifty one. What are we going there? Oh boy, fifty one. Oh man, Vegas. This is where they want to win. That's uh oh. So if you think I fifty one, twenty seven, twenty three is not going to get you there. No, so. I think they cover that. I th- I'd take the over. I would take the over too, but yeah. not with a huge amount of confidence. No, but I'm thinking at least if, if Saints attack early, score a lot of points, there's garbage time, there's points to be had for the mm-hmm. Eagles side. Mm-hmm. But yet, if you stay within 10, I, I see that 35 to like 23. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that brings us to our last game. I wanted to say this one for last because I think it's the discussion to have, uh, interesting discussion to have with the Chargers coming into the uh, Patriots. Patriots I uh, have right now four and a half, minus four and a half. Um, we'll throw it over to you, Liam. Let's get it started. What do you think? Of the, what do you want to see? What do you expect to see going into this game? Well, um, I would, <laughs> I would like to see uh, a much better protected quarterback than than the Ravens were able to provide. Uh, I, I think that's going to be. I think that's a likely proposition. I think Brady will be better protected. Uh, and and also uh, to my earlier point about how the things that he does to make life easier on his own offensive line, getting the ball out fast, making the decisions quickly, uh, certainly much faster than a rookie quarterback is capable of. Um, so I, I don't think that the Chargers are going to see the same kind of uh, easy success on, de- on defense. Um, Chargers still worry me, though. Um, I, I don't think the Chargers are going to have as hard a time scoring on the Patriots as mm. they did uh, with the Ravens. You know that defense, the, the the story of that defense gets lost a little bit in in you know all the funny jokes about how the first half was sponsored by Butterfingers and uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, the the fact that your quarterback can can give up the ball that many times and the defense still over Keeps and over and over kept him in the game, yeah. and it wasn't even like. Half the time they weren't. It wasn't even like they were allowing drives into field goal range. Lamar was giving them the ball in field goal range, and they still only walked away with three points. And and hats off, absolutely to the Ravens defense. They have a much stronger unit than the Patriots do, and I expect the Chargers to score more points than they did against the Ravens. So Vegas doesn't what do we, agree. Really, Vegas has the line at forty-seven. Man, I. 
I don't that's, see it. I think, that, see. I, think that's, I think that's giving Belichick the bye week again, and you're getting at least two, two what you hope as a Patriots fan, three solid series of really good game planning and matching up against that defense and scoring. Yeah. I think you want to go in at 20... 21 nothing, not 21 nothing. You want to go in at 21 points at least on the offensive side going in at half. Yeah. To feel comfortable as the Patriots team. Uh, what I want to see personally uh, with the things that the keys to success I think uh, for me are uh, I want I want to see the same Julian Edelman that I've seen in previous years in the playoffs. Uh, who has been dropping some passes recently and been scaring the shit out of me? Yeah, I want to see. Absolutely. I want to see him be that steady-handed target that he is because he's not a downfield threat. He's a he, you know he's the ultimate possession guy. You know he's he's just a, he finds the first down marker and he holds on to the ball right. and and, and to he, see him struggling with that recently. He'll sell himself really, for three or four more really yards. Difficult. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then the other big one, possibly even bigger, I think, for me, is, uh, for Christ's sake, get James White the goddamn ball. Why not? He's one of the best receiving backs. Come on. This is... It's, it, it's it, blown my mind the last few weeks. Uh, the James White's usage is more directly, statistically correlated with, with, the, with the Patriots' wins and losses this year. Yeah. The more he's involved... They have, you know, great games, and almost all of their big wins have been have been uh, high volume for for James White. Even in the games where necessarily he didn't put up huge numbers, didn't get a million all-purpose yards, but there's something about there's something about his versatility and and the uncertainty that he brings to the defenses that even just his consistent usage makes the Patriots better even when he's not wildly productive. If you can just get one guy on defense to commit 40% of the time of the play calls to just spy on him and just open up for a Hogan on on the inside. What I was going to say earlier, too, what I think you want to see, too, is like not even a lot of receptions, but like four or five receptions Hogan for 70-something yards. I'm going to play conspiracy That he's just keeping you honest on the outside, too. Mm. I'm going to play conspiracy theorist here. What if... Belichick has been purposefully um, underselling sort of White's value to devalue him in the amount of tape that they have on him, that that opponents have on him, in order to use him more in the, in that's, the playoffs. You're, I'm so I, surprised you can like talk with his balls on your chin right that's, there. Um, <laughs> I'm trying try to not, channel it's Johnny It's not completely here. unrealistic. If you watch the way, I'd say that to Johnny too. If you sorry. watch the way that Belichick used to use Deion Lewis when he was in that same situation, and it wasn't quite necessarily like he would tail off at the end of the year. He'd have these dips uh, in the middle of the season, like like James White has in usage. But the, his usage over the over the year would vary greatly. Usually, he'd be very underutilized early in the season, and then he'd come in a lot later. I think partly that was they were hoping to have him completely fresh for the playoffs. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if it was they didn't want him overexposed on film. You, you may you may absolutely be right. And you know, this particular staff, this you know Belichick and 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 his coaches, they they definitely I think more than anybody, 
plan for things like that. Plan for, you know, all right, at the beginning of the season, it's like, all right, what's the scouting report on us going to be by the playoffs? Right. And, you know, how do we... Create do a we, narrative. Yeah, and, and, and what are our best strengths? What are the plays? Like, what, what are our week-in and week-out bread and butter? And then what are our, our big strengths that will win us a playoff game? And let's not show people those strengths during the regular season. Let's... Let's, we have this beauty called be the o- NFC East, which is okay. not competitive in many ways. So you can yeah. just kind of sit back. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's in, in any way, like let's let's lose exactly. a game or two, not oh, pulling scheduled losses. Right. Scheduled losses. <laughs> Sons of bitches. All right. So I think um, we're we're gonna hammer the over on this game. The over. Forty-seven. Yeah. I mean, let yeah, me just, I think so. Can I end on a Al gargle? the organization's balls Please, for real quick. If you could gargle the Pat's nuts. Okay. Wow. Was. That was impressive. Anyway, uh, New England hosted... Oh, that actually showed up bigger on the on the graph than his laugh. That was amazing. Whoa. <laughs> a better choker than a laugher. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> New England hosted a divisional round stuff. 12 times since 2001. That's fucking absurd. And uh, the only time they did not cover going into this divisional round was against the Ravens in 2011. That was 35-31. We all remember that game. Ray Rice just mm. went crazy. But uh, I think you just seven straight divisional games at home. I mean, Johnny talked about all year long. He wanted me to point this out, that this is like this is where they needed that cushion, that prep time. I think if they, they had to roll... They don't win without the buy. They don't win without... I mean, it's just all preparation. I mean, so mm-hmm. I, I think you have to take this pick right here. I think you got to take... What we say, the over on that or the under? Uh, 47, you got to take the over. Yep. Yeah. At four and a half, you got to take that because this is the lowest uh, they've had to cover in all the, all the uh, divisional games coming in at home. So you can't go against record history, this organization, in my mind. Yeah, it's um, just at, at this point, it's just proven too many times to be a bad bet to go against Brady and Belichick. I, 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 w- still... I will say this. I will say this. Philip Rivers and the Chargers win this game. They're taking the whole thing. No. Yeah? No. No. I said it now. No. I said it. No. I you want to make a bet right now? I fucking said Let's it. make a bet right now. I will make a bet right now. All right. What do you want to do? Uh. Let's say, let's say, considering what we're drinking right now, a bottle of Maker's Mark. Fair enough. Plus a four-pack of good water. <laughs> All right. A bottle of whiskey and a four-pack of overpriced beer. It's not... Oh, oh wow. wow. You had the endorsement locked up. Oh, wow. Oh, you... You just... Did it, I, we worked so hard with I this. I know, I know, I know. You. Maker's Mark doesn't need our help. Good water <laughs> does. Jesus. Nick Foles curses you, sir. Jesus. <laughs> forever a frog. If <laughs> forever a frog. If the Chargers win this game, they win the Super Bowl. You're I, fucking you out heard of your it. Mind. You fucking heard it first. Let's I think this. I think it. I think it's Philip Rivers' year. It's never been Philip Rivers' year. I am not picking him to win There's this game. There's a narrative this man's fucking career. Listen. He loses, he makes a baby, he loses, he makes a baby, he loses, he makes a baby. 
He's done making his so wife. Maybe he's his done to just like maybe. win a fucking Super Bowl for once. <laughs> Seriously, maybe that's the ultimate motivation. He's like, God damn it, I need an off season without a newborn child. Oh no shit. So maybe I should actually get my shit together and win it this time. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uncomfortably picking the Patriots in this one. I think that the Chargers. I, am... I think the Chargers are. Uh, probably like if you looked at their Madden rating, they're they're just. A, they're a more purely talented team. I think that the Patriots that uh, means overall that experience means and demeanor and 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 comfort just just com- the how the comfort level that they have being in the playoffs. Uh, you know, their narrative is we can win no matter what, and the Chargers narrative is no matter what, we can lose. And I think that both of those narratives are gonna play in in, in a big part heads. of that narrative for the Chargers has been the special teams in the kicking specifically, and it seems like they've righted the ship in that regard. Sure, but those but those memories don't go away, man. I, I, I understand that, I would but they to... got to go away at some point. I mean, look at the Capitals winning, you know, exercising the demons this past year in the Stanley Cup. I'm I'm picking. I the love Patriots. that moment where Nesto tries to. Uh, revolve something around to hockey, and he sees my eyes glaze over, and he re- and he knows that his point is not landing at all, and he just moves on. So we will keep I am the- picking the Patriots to oh, win this game. God. I am picking the Patriots to win this game, but I maintain that if the Chargers can pull it out in this game against the Patriots, so you think that this the this is where they exercise the demons? If they you think that if, yes, if they get this one, then that clears their mind of all their of all their worries, and they go in with with enough momentum to knock off whoever's. It's like beating the Penguins in the divisional in the divisional round. It's like yeah, this is the one. This is the one to Agreed. beat. Can is, I point out one other thing? <laughs> he's locked in, right? We guarantee that he's locked in, no matter what happens. You're locked into this pick. What? Are you locked into this pick? Uh, the, well, the, the pick bet the only Chargers? becomes yes. the, the no, bet no. only becomes live if the Chargers make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also I am, want to point I'm out picking too. the fucking Patriots okay. in this game. All right. I've been drinking a little bit. All right. I'm Paquito but to Poppy. be clear, I'm fucking picking the Patriots. I just want to point but. out we're talking about possibly multiple snow minus or right. plus six degrees. Oh, I mean that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. All right. Cool. Very cool. That is uh, very cool. All right. Anyway, and is, that is, we just cut, we just covered wild card and uh, this uh, divisional yeah, round right preview. here. All right, we're gonna move into a little bit of hockey talk. Here we go. You brought hockey talk. I'm bringing a little hockey talk. You gotta talk about your Dallas Stars. Yeah. Dallas Stars president Jim Lights told the Athletic on Friday that uh, he and the owner Tom Gagliardi are angry. About the lack of production from Captain Jamie Benn and Stars Tyler Sagan. Uh, he said, quote, We are a Stars-driven league, and our Stars aren't getting it done. It's embarrassing, and no one writes it. So write it. They are fucking horseshit. This guy said this. This is your... After giving several, several attempts by the journalists fucking covering this to not have this be on the record... He says, it's embarrassing, and no one writes it. Write it. Write it. They are fucking horseshit. When a writer gives you multiple... When a reporter <laughs> gives you multiple outs... Yeah. 
And he's just yeah, like, do it. And like he's the said, Jim Ursay of fucking NHL. Right? Light said he he hears from Gagliardi five times per game about how poorly Sagan and Ben are playing, and, and mind you, this is a report he's giving. This is a quote that is given after the Stars had beaten the Predators two nothing. But you know, Light still persisted. He says the team was okay, but Sagan and Ben were terrible. Ben's the straw that stirs the drink. And, uh, you know, he had another quote that was uh, like, um, you know, they're saying Sagan has lots of chances. You know, he 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 hits the post and he's like, yeah. And he li- there's a quote. Womp, womp. He hit another post like this is your team. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, I mean, these are and this they're is, tied for third in the central. I mean, yeah, yeah, and this is something. This is something behind the likes of the Predators and the Jets. The Jets are playing out of their minds, from what I, exa- you tell me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've been so, listening. Now, I'm so. a listener. <laughs> <laughs> and and he goes on to say that you know Sagan should play in the dirty areas. That's where goals are scored. You know that little bit right in front of the net. You didn't and, take him, but in that's for that. not, that's not what he is. He's no. an elite goal scorer. And how the fuck are you, a like a son of a son of a bitch piece of shit who's never fucking skated a day in his life, gonna give you know one of the that, top goal scorers in the league? You know shit. he's got that old manual hockey game in his basement, and he's just turning the fucking like like football style. Like, this game is easy. <laughs> a dome hockey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so that was that was just like and the and the NHLPA is all up in arms about it. Of course, they don't like you know ownership talking about players in that way. And you know it, the full transcri- transcript of what he says, he drops like seven or eight fucking f bombs on the record, which wow. is like unbelievable. Unheard of. Yeah, and you know so he really. But well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're in... third. They're third in the division right now. Yeah. And if they manage in a tough division, in a tough, in a very, very tough division, if they manage to pull it out, does he look like a genius for calling out his guys and like stirring the pot and getting it going? On you better that? hope like... he's not Philip Rivers because he never pulls it out. <laughs> Dude, we made that joke like sixty minutes ago. It's a comeback joke. It's called the comeback. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> comes back nine times. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just his legitimate children, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh wow. No, he is a I man love you, of, Philip. He's the man of God. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just I, I just thought it was that's humble. Fucking and crazy. both of both of those players. Excuse me, are, I want to match him. That's fucking 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 crazy. <laughs> both of those gentlemen are around a point a game too, so it's not it's not like any of these guys are slouches. So uh, moving on to the World Juniors, uh, Finland won gold uh, medal. Excuse me, Finland won the gold medal game against the USA two to three. Uh, the USA rallied late uh, to tie the game at two, but Capo Keiko isn't that a fun? Isn't that a fun name? Ooh. Fuck hockey names. Capo you, know, you know how I feel about is that. This. A, is that a form of Japanese porn or something? No, no, it's a form of Finnish porn, uh, Finnish goal scoring porn. Capo uh, mm. Keiko, way too many A's, way too many K's, scored with 126, <laughs> left to give the Finns the win. Um, fun fact 
after after the, uh, the 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 time hit zero, the uh, the Finnish goaltender throws all of his gear in jubilation and runs to join his teammates in center ice. The fucking goal stick nails a U.S. Uh, a U.S. forward directly in the head <laughs> <laughs> to add insult to injury. Um, the presumptive first overall pick, Jack Hughes, finished the tournament with uh, only four assists. But the real story of the tournament was the Canadian team uh, failed to medal for the first time in history when the World Juniors were held in Canada. Now, um, it was like such a dramatic uh, loss to th- to the eventual winners, uh, Finland. I know, I know. Because Canada had led for most of the game uh, leading up to the end of the third period. There was like a fluky fucking bounce. You know, it's hockey. Like shit happens. Sometimes one of the things I really love about hockey is some is it's also luck based. Like shit just fucking happens because it's just a tiny ass puck flying everywhere at a million miles an hour bouncing off of God knows what. And, and there's a little bit of chaos in the game, and you got to love it. Two guys, a bag of molly, air hockey, anything can go. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, fluky goal at the end uh, of, the peri- of the third period sends it into overtime. There is a um, – they award a penalty shot to Canada during the overtime, and um, you're going to love – you're going to love this name <laughs> – the uh, the penalty shot was missed by Canadian uh, co-captain Maxine Comtois. Wow. Yep. Yep. Ooh. Cue the Comtois jokes. Wow. <laughs> I can't even. These, we're talking about we're talking about this boys is a hockey man, here, right? Man. Maxine. Maxine. Is he's a man? Oh, is he like 18, 17? With okay. an M. <clears throat> Okay. Maxime, ending in an M as in... Maxime. Maxime. Comme toi. Maxime, comme toi. Yeah. Like, like, comme comme un, comme du, comme toi. (laughs) (laughs) You subscribe Philip Rivers Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and then... (laughs) Expect triplets by fall. Oh, Jesus. And then... And then... Later in the overtime period, defensive Noam Dobson uh, suffers a broken stick shooting into what is apparently a wide fucking open net, uh, which would have been a dramatic overtime win. Instead, the puck gets overtoned, goes the other way, and uh, Tony Utenen went on on later in that play to score a game-winning goal. Damn. So it's like it's this is there. junior hockey. This is junior. You want me to learn NHL and you want me to keep up with junior hockey? It's a U twenty tournament. Listen, we fucking this is big shit for Canada. <laughs> okay. Seriously, all of Canada then goes online on on social media and starts like just what laying. do they do? They share a Facebook account, Canada. they just lay into these fucking kids to the point where Maxine Comtot has to fucking (laughs) (laughs) has to fucking issue a statement that like cyberbullying is bad and they're just kids and they're trying hard it was just fucking 
Amazing. Also, Russia took third. Your tagline is like, "I'm so dirty, I melt the ice." <laughs> Dude, that kid has a bright future in porn. That's all I have. To he's say. up there like Bobby Boucher, just screaming and checking uh, people into the fucking glass because he hates his name all his life. It's good times. All right, and uh, that concludes hockey talk. And now for. Um, are we going? To, are we going into basketball? Basketball? Yeah, sure. Is that what Let's, you're doing? Yeah, I'm going into basketball. I just want to congratulate Johnny going to the Celtics game tonight and watching the uh, Celtics beat the Nets, one sixteen ninety five. That probably refrains or uh, helps us from receiving what. 45 to 50 messages yeah. by 8 a.m. tomorrow I, I morning. Haven't, I haven't gotten any messages from him He's yet. happy. He's good. <laughs> Johnny's stable. Thank God. <laughs> Everybody, we can return the belts and shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> we can oh, unlock man. the sharp drawer. John's ready to return home. All right. Very good. So, as promised, um, but maybe not as expected, Dang. I have... Yeah. Dick. Just I know wait. it's coming. Just wait. So, did you write a book report? I wrote a yes. book report <laughs> on basketball. So, so the pre- I mean, like, because you really couldn't stand we, to watch a game. <laughs> we we agree going into this because I know little to fucking nothing about hockey, being from Texas most of my life. To this guy loving hockey in every essence of the word, but doesn't know dick about <laughs> basketball. Like Philip Rivers was hey, about to pull listen, out. Hey, listen, listen! Uh, I fucking, anyway. I fucking played in third grade. Show some respect. Oh, that was like Christian League. Like always, leave space for the Lord Jesus in between your jump shot. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> okay. Well, I did, I did a little research, and I oh, came up. God, I'm gonna I came s- up with. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking know you. This you're is gonna be mock me, and what I love the most. My essay on basketball entitled. A Shot in the Dark. The game of basketball was created by Dr. James Naismith in December of 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts as a conditioning exercise for all of the kids were, who were too soft to wrestle. Oh, I'm gonna fucking punch you. Oh, it starts out so bad. The objective of the game was to throw a ball into peach baskets nailed to the lower railing of the gym balcony. (laughs) Every time a score occurred, the game was halted so the janitor could bring out a ladder and retrieve the ball as he was the most athletic person in the gym. Eventually, (laughs) the bottom of the baskets were removed and the first public basketball game was played in March of 1892. World War One played a huge part in globalizing the sport as it was and remains considered a great sport for pussies who don't like physical contact or any risk of injury. You want me to fucking say something right here? <laughs> this fucking pause and walk. I'm like brewing over here. The American like... Expeditionary Force took the game wherever they went, and Dr. Naismith himself... Did you, spent, just, did you just call them spelties? Did you call them like a weak grain? You called them spelt? Dr. Naismith himself spent two years with the YMCA in France, popular, popularizing the sport at that time. Oh, there's pages. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> the first professional league was established in 1898, and the league was disbanded in 1904 as the game was incredibly fucking boring. The original Celtics are considered the fathers of basketball and were presented as world basketball champs in a bizarre traveling circus similar to the modern Globetrotters. No relation to the modern Boston Celtics, who were founded in 1946. The first all-black team was the New York Renaissance, a.k.a. the Harlem Renaissance, also known as the Wrens, and they were billed usually as the original Celtics opponent. If modern basketball offers any clues, they won every single game. The NBA was founded in NYC in 1946 as the so Basketball much. Association this is of not America the way it's supposed to go. and adopted the name the National Basketball Association after merging with the National Basketball League in 1949. The American Basketball Association was founded as an alternative to the NBA in 1967 and offered a different game style as well as some rule changes. The esteemed doctor, Julius Irving, was the leading player in the league and helped launch the modern style of play, which emphasized leaping and play above the rim. Who do you play for? (laughs) Not relevant, I guess. (laughs) A bunch of pussies. That's who. The Philadelphia Snatches. (laughs) <laughs> oh, which I fucked you fucked my joke up. Which emphasized <laughs> leaping and play <laughs> above the count. rim. Although I prefer play in and around the rim. In 1976, Ooh. the ABA was merged into the NBA, bringing with it the New York Nets, Denver Nuggets, Indiana Pacers, San Antonio Spurs, and the three-point shot. Some fun facts about basketball. Although a rule exists prohibiting carrying the ball for more than two steps, you may take as many as five as long as you dunk spectacularly to finish the play. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. You fucking hate you. <laughs> Space Jam and Airbud are widely considered the greatest basketball movies of all time. Not true. <laughs> Not wow. true. Eat a dick, bro. <laughs> I'll take Space Jam, but everybody... That's like man. saying the best wrestling movie is Vision Quest. If you are a member of either the Warriors or Golden State, out of bounds <laughs> do not always apply. <laughs> and finally... Steph f- gets called for the Harden three, though. Yeah, see, that is a And finally, the first three quarters of play often last as the law... Uh, the first three quarters of play often last as long as the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. <laughs> and that was a shot in the dark, my essay on basketball. Oh, my God. So you're not buying in. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. No, I'm going I'm to start, start watching once. No, you're once not. Fucking... <laughs> uh. All right. That's fair enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that was fun. Jesus Christ. I'm sweating with anger right now. Oh uh, well, thank th- big thanks to Liam uh, for filling in for Johnny today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, Not that I could ever fill in for Johnny. I don't know if he's going to score like anyway. Philip Rivers because he's about an hour late right now. But... <laughs> oh. <laughs>
Uh, One more Rivers joke. I had to throw it in. We, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. You can find us um, on Podbean, of course, because this is where you're listening. But we're going to be heading to Google Play and Apple Podcasts very soon. And Huge sponsorship deals we recently signed. Oh, yeah. True. Thank you, Goodwater, Maker's Mark. <laughs> Echo Restaurant Lounge. Echo Restaurant Lounge. <laughs> Big uh, shout out to Johnny. UPS for uh, follow uh, him at Green Ma- at Green Mountain Grinder. Yeah. UPS got those neck beads on time. You can get us at Green Mountain Sports on Facebook and Instagram, and we will see you guys later. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you.